Hi, this is episode two of Valerie VoiceOver. I am Valerie, and this podcast, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty details of all of my beginning steps for this voiceover career. This is part two of my intro podcast, so if you didn't have a listen, you can go on back and listen to episode one, and it'll give you a little bit more background of where I started and how I had my light bulb moment of being a voiceover actor. As I had mentioned before, I talked with my advisor in college, and he gave me some great recommendations for books to read. I put those at the end of the last podcast, and he basically just said, do a search, see what you can find. It's an ever-changing industry, and you're really going to have to try to keep up on what's going on right now. So I did some Google searching, and I found the Backstage website. Backstage is a huge resource with all performing artists. It's like a huge repository of various auditions for anyone that's a performing artist, including television actors, film, commercials, even theater actors. They have various auditions for events, backup dancers, voiceover, everything, you name it. So I went onto the Backstage website to see what kind of work and auditions they had for voiceover actors. And there were quite a few, so that was a promising first step. For Backstage, how they do everything is a subscription. So you can look at all the auditions that are available for the various projects that you want to work on, but you cannot actually turn in an audition unless you have a subscription to Backstage. So that keeps it a little bit more legit, so they're probably not getting tons of trolls sending in random things that aren't even for the project. For your first year, they give you a subscription for $99. Not too bad for a complete repository of possible auditions. They've got tons of resources for casting. In fact, their tagline is the most trusted name in casting since 1960. After your first year, if you stay with Backstage, there's three different plans that you can go on. There's the monthly plan, which would be $19.95 a month. You can do it in six-month increments, paying $16.66 a month. Or the most economical is getting another annual plan that's billed at one time for $12.50 a month. So that works out to $150 a year to continue your Backstage subscription. I subscribed to Backstage in May of 2015. As I was looking through Backstage one night, I came across a webinar that was going to be basically what my podcast is. It was someone who is a professional explaining everything about the starting process of becoming a voiceover actor. Her name is Rachel Messer, and she is a very successful professional film, stage, and voice actress who has worked on countless cartoons. She does video game characters, and she also does some film and theater work as well. So after looking at her website, I thought this might be a legit place to start and getting some more information about the process from someone who is actually currently in it. The webinar was approximately two hours and $35. And that was her very conscious decision to help people out for a very cheap price because some of these things that I'm going to talk about later do get very, very expensive and, you know, the sky is the limit when it comes to equipment and computers and software. So she wanted to make this accessible for everyone and at $35, I thought it was a pretty fair price. And so I signed up to do this in June of 2016. 
So for the webinar, she basically starts right from the beginning and talks about how our bodies make sound, how you can do various sounds, either using your nose, using your throat a different way, the shape of your mouth. She talked about various equipment that you would need to do professional auditions. You're gonna need a microphone. You're definitely gonna need software which would be a digital audio workstation, and you're gonna need headphones so you can hear what your auditions or recordings actually sound like and not just use your computer speakers, which may be a little bit off compared to what actually is on the recording. She talked a little bit about auditioning, how you can use the pay-to-play websites, or you can send your demos to various casting agencies or agents to get auditions from them. She also gave some tips for what to watch out for when you're actually looking for an agent, which can be helpful because you never know what you might find on the internet and people are more than willing to take advantage of you if you let them. She talked about how you warm up before you do recordings and the various vocal exercises that you can use. She's a theater actor, so they do a lot of this right before they're going out on stage and it makes sense to do it before you also sit down and record 20 minutes of audio. Warm up your voice, warm up your breathing, all that sort of stuff. She talked a little bit about how taking acting classes can really help you because you're not just a voice as a voiceover artist, you are a voiceover actor. And if you just read something off the page, it's not gonna sell very well compared to the various emotions you're gonna to wanna to put through your work. Most auditions are pretty specific with what they want it to sound like, and you have to be able to hone in on what they want, but also do various versions. You can't just look at something that says, we want a fun, energetic read, and do it the same time with three takes. They want a little bit of variety. So she promoted taking acting classes so you can get more into the mindset of being an actor and taking this on as a role, being a character. One of her biggest points of the webinar was keeping yourself current with what is popular now. You might have a great radio announcer voice from the 1950s, but if no one's hiring for that type of voice, you're not gonna find yourself with a lot of auditions or jobs using that character. So you wanna keep, so you wanna keep current with what's currently on TV for commercials, um, if you're doing narration, you're going to want to see what they're doing for documentaries and more nonfiction type work. If you're doing cartoons, you want to see what type of animated shows are out there now and what type of voices they're using. Are they realistic? Are they going a little loony? Are they mostly children? We have adults that are characters on shows. What do their voices sound like? And could you fit into that market? She touched a little bit on demo reels and the type of reels that you can do as a voiceover actor. As I'll talk about in my next podcast when I'm actually starting my demos, there are a lot more voiceover fields than you probably thought possible. It was way more than I thought was available in the voiceover field. So there's the main ones. There's commercial, there's narration, there's audiobook, there's character demo reels for animation or video games. But there's also educational, which is separated out. If you're doing online tutorials, there's telephony, which is a specific field that deals with messages through a phone system. There are niches that you can find in this market that maybe you didn't think were possible with your voice. And so when you go in to actually make your demo, you're going to want to talk to, you know, the teachers there, the studio, and see where they think you can fit into the market. Rachel Messer, since she does 
so many cartoons and video games. She has various demos for all of that type of work and they're all separated. So you have your separate commercial demo, your separate video game character demo, your separate animated character demo and so forth. She talked a little bit about finding an agent, using pay to play websites, getting your demo out there so people can see it, listen to it, download it and work with it. You're also going to need your website for your voiceover work. So someone can use this as a business card and find you quickly and find your demos and listen to them and decide if they want to offer you a job. This is a world of social media as well. So you're likely going to want to put yourself out there with a professional Facebook page. Maybe you use Twitter. Maybe you use Tumblr. Maybe you put your stuff on LinkedIn, which is a job resource website. Why not put your demo out there to get a job? So she had a very, very thorough webinar. Two hours was the perfect amount of time. We really got through everything and there was still time for Q&A at the end. So I really appreciated taking this class through her. I'm not sure if she still offers it or if she is busy with other projects, but you can contact her on her website, rachelmesser.com and perhaps she'll send you her presentation or at least let you know when she's offering the class again. After this webinar, I knew that I had to get serious about my beginning equipment so I could do actual auditions that were professional, that sounded good, and that would be taken seriously for different auditions that I was doing through backstage. Luckily, I already had my computer, which is going to be probably one of your most expensive pieces of equipment you get for this process. I have a MacBook, so that step was already taken care of. Uh, next up, I had to get a digital audio workstation to work with for my auditions. I have GarageBand on the computer automatically because that is an Apple program, but I found more success using Audacity which is a free online program that you can download onto your computer. There's other ones that people use. I mentioned that we used Adobe Audition in school. There's also, you know, Pro Tools. There's a bunch of them. So maybe you want to run a trial on all of these and see which one fits you better and which one kind of works best for you. I don't want to recommend one of these and someone finds it more difficult to use than I do. I chose Audacity because I felt GarageBand was a little clunkier than I wanted to use. So next up for equipment is a microphone. You are going to want a decent quality microphone for any professional auditions that you are doing. While you may think that your computer's microphone is very good, when you listen back to it, you may pick up a lot of noise and other various things from the inside of the computer itself or the space you're in that you do not want to hear on a professional audition. Rachel Messer had mentioned that you're going to want to use a condenser microphone for professional auditions. Generally, dynamic microphones are popular for stage use and condenser microphones are always going to be preferred for studio recording. This is because a condenser microphone can follow the sound waves more accurately than that of a dynamic microphone. They offer superior sound quality, although they are gonna be less rugged than your dynamic microphone, which makes sense because if you're using a dynamic microphone on stage, 
you're gonna want a more solid design because you're gonna be moving around with it. If you're like many of the rock stars that I've seen, you may get a little too rough with it and you knock it on different things, but it stays in one piece. If you knock around your condenser microphone, you're likely gonna break it. So when you're in the studio, you want that more sensitive microphone that's gonna pick up a wide frequency, it's gonna give you good transient response, and it's gonna be more sensitive to the various sound waves that are coming out of your body. Now, like anything, you can get very cheap and then get very, very, very expensive with microphones. And when you're just starting out, you're not gonna wanna go buy a $5,000 condenser microphone. It's just not economical for most people to do that. And so Rachel had suggested a USB condenser microphone. It's called the Samson Meteor Mic. It is a large 25 millimeter diaphragm USB studio condenser microphone. It plugs right into your computer, into your USB slot. And for the beginning stages, this is a great microphone to use. It has a really great smooth flat frequency response. It's not as sensitive as more expensive condenser microphones. So if you do accidentally knock into it, you're not gonna be breaking something. I found it on Amazon for $69.99, and you can probably find it on other websites as well, so take a look around. I bought a pop screen at the same time as this, and those are anywhere between $10 to $15. So my total cost output for my microphone and my pop screen was $81.59. Next up, headphones. Very important to listen to all of your work before you turn it into a client. Oh my gosh, I cannot even explain that enough. You cannot just record something and whoosh, send it off and hope for the best. You definitely want to listen to it in its entirety before you send it to them because you never know what can happen. Maybe something cuts out at the end and you didn't realize it or there's a weird piece of static that occurred and you're thinking, what is going on with my house? Is there a poltergeist? I don't know, but definitely, definitely listen to your entire recording before you send it off. And how do you do that? Well, with a good pair of headphones. I, again, was taking a easy way out and I got a great pair of headphones from my grandparents for Christmas while I was in college because I knew I would need them for future projects. I had told you guys that I worked in a radio station and as a wedding DJ, and so I've been using these headphones for a very long time. They are super comfortable. I can wear them for hours and really not feel them. So I also recommend getting a very comfortable pair of headphones because you're gonna have them on for a long time. I got the Audio-Technica ATH-M40FS in, I think, Christmas of 2011. Because our technology is changing so quickly, they no longer sell this version, but a comparable version that you can find on Amazon or even the Audio-Technica website itself are the ATH-M40X Professional Monitor Headphones. These are $99 on Amazon. Again, you could probably look around on the internet and find them for a little bit cheaper. But again, be careful with going too cheap because you really want a high quality headphone to be able to hear all of the sounds that you are making on your recordings. They have professional grade ear pads with headband material that is super comfortable. You can wear them forever. 
I will note that my headphones, being professional monitor headphones, have the quarter inch jack on them. So it's going to be bigger than your typical earbuds or headphones that you get that you plug into your iPod or your phone. This is a quarter inch jack, so if you do not have a capability to plug that in, you're going to have to get an adapter that can change it from the eighth inch to the quarter inch jack. Next up, you're going to need something to pad your little recording area so you don't have a lot of sound bouncing off hard surfaces, hard corners. Basically, you want to be in kind of a padded room. Now, when I first started out, I basically recorded in my closet because I had a little stand for my computer, my microphone, but also more importantly, I had clothes in there to dampen the various noises that can pop off of hard surfaces and hard corners. So if it comes down to it and you have to get in your closet, just make sure you surround yourself with a bunch of clothes or coats or blankets even to kind of cover up all the hard surfaces in that area. I luckily have a little space in my house now that I could set up as a little recording area. So I have three moving blankets that are on the rear of me, which I have hung from the ceiling and go all the way to the floor to kind of block off this corner of the room from all the sounds that come outside of it. I also went to my local guitar center and got acoustic panels for the front side of me, what's behind my computer and what's on the walls of my little recording space. You could likely go to any music store in your area. I just happened to have a guitar center right down the street from my day job, so it was a perfect place to just stop in and actually see what they had available. They use these for music recording studios as well, so why not buy them for voiceover recording? I ended up going with the Ultimate Acoustics 12-inch acoustic panel wedges. They are $12.99 each, and I bought seven of them. My recording space is like a triangle, it's a corner of the room, so I have the moving blankets on the rear side of me, and then I have the baffle panels on the two walls that are in front of me, as well as some on the ceiling. And I set them up so they have different patterns that are next to each other. Uh, because the wedges, you can they're 12-inch squares, so you can put them where your wedges are vertical or horizontal, so I kind of mixed it up a little bit to dampen as much noise as possible as I can from this recording area so I have much cleaner recordings. And that's really it for my beginning equipment. So you want to make sure, again, that you have a good computer, you have your digital audio workstation software, you have a decent microphone, a good pair of headphones, and I didn't mention too much about it, but you're going to need a pop screen to take out your pop and P sounds or your S sounds that you can get if you, you get your sibilants going for your various S, S sounds. Pop screen, a big help for that. They're not that expensive. Like I said, between $10 and $15 for one of those. And it's really going to help and you'll notice it when you listen back to some of your stuff that you're recording. So now I've read the books, I've gone on backstage and subscribed, so I'm looking at auditions. I took a webinar from a professional to see what they had to offer and knowledge. I've got all of my basic equipment ready to do professional auditions. So next step, get those auditions done. You can go on backstage for auditions, but you can also set up a search function on their website to send you emails of auditions that would be relevant to you. So I think it's a good idea if you actually do subscribe to Backstage to kind of hone down what type of auditions you're looking for. Because in this world of email, you can get bombarded with so many 
that it's hard to focus on the ones that you actually need to pay attention to. So I think if you do your search function to get it down to a more manageable, you're just looking for voiceover work in the New York City market, go. Or you can even set up things for age limits. So you can only do voices from teen to 40. If you have a younger sounding voice like I do, that tends to be what I try out for. <laughs> I can attempt to do an older woman voice, but it sounds kind of like a, a mix between like a ghost and a witch because I'm trying so hard to make my voice sound older that I get a little bit too much vocal fry in there, which might work for some roles, but I think for a lot of them, they want a more natural sounding woman selling, you know, medicine or selling a car or jewelry or perfume. So when you're putting on your search parameters, do something realistic to what your voice can actually sound like. Through my various auditions on backstage, I was actually contacted by Idiom Talent Agency to submit an audition to them for representation. Idiom has over 30 years of experience with corporate level voice talent and they do commercial representation, they do narration work, they do local, they do regional, as well as international work. So you could have jobs that are for America or you could have jobs that are overseas. They have offices in the United States, Hawaii, Thailand, and India. So they're pretty widespread for their agency. So I was honored to be asked to audition for them to represent me. Basically, I emailed them back and said I was interested. They sent me a document that had seven different pieces on it. They told me, choose one and send it back to us as your audition. That was the nice part because it didn't require you to have demos already complete which at that time I didn't have any demos complete yet because I hadn't even gotten to the point of contacting a studio for demos. So I sent in my audition to them in July of 2015. And I heard back from them on July 28th saying that I was accepted into their roster of talent. So I was super excited about that. Not only because having an agency represent you is super important to show other clients that you are capable of doing this type of work, but because they're an agent, they also get all of the jobs that they said to you to try out for. So you're not at that point looking for the work, they're sending it to you and they're sending it to you based on the specifics of what they think you can do. So I was super happy, super stoked, and they started sending me auditions directly. Now I will make a note that Idiom Talent Agency works with VOCAD for their casting and demo delivery. You not only get a profile on your Idiom Talent Agency page, but you also have a profile that's on the VOCAD website. So you'll put your demos on there, you'll put various auditions on there if you want, so anyone that's looking at that can get a snapshot of what you can do. And at the time, I only had the audition that I did for Idiom on there. So as you start out and as you keep working, you'll add your demo, you'll add your headshot to your VOCAD profile and your Idiom talent agency profile as well. VOCAD is $134.91 a year to run that service for them. So in a nutshell, Idiom sends me the auditions which is basically an email. It gives me the specs for the audition. It tells me when it's due, which is a very, very important part you don't want to miss. 
I 100% guarantee that if you are late with an audition, you will not get that job. So pay attention to your due dates. It has the format that they want me to turn the work in as. It's going to be all MP3 files, but various roles are going to want you to label your file a different way. Sometimes there's multiple roles for the same project that you can try out for. And so you'll have separate auditions for each character that you are playing. And of course, the script for the audition is going to be attached to that same email. So I open up the script, I record my audition. Most of the time I just get one take to do it in. But various roles sometimes will have you do three, sometimes they'll have you do up to five. And even for some of the more cartoony or video game roles, you're basically just going to be making various sounds and noises and grunts and like action moves. And so those are typically also one take, but it's not like a prescribed time limit. So those ones are kind of fun to do. Once I have my MP3 file set, I send it back to the idiom talent agency email address that they sent it from. And then they submit it on vocad for the actual client to listen to on that. So it kind of makes it easier for the client, I think, to use vocad because then they have everything all in one spot. They're not opening up 100, 200 emails with, you know, various attached MP3 files. It's one page that has all of your auditions ready to go on it. Like I said, once you get demos, once you get a headshot made, you're going to want to send those into vocad and your agent as soon as possible so that they can be posted because if they're not posted, no one can see them or hear them. I had mentioned that Rachel talked about taking acting classes as part of your learning base for becoming a voiceover actor. So I was looking in my local area, the capital region of New York, to see what was available. Because there are various colleges around, I found something very quickly and signed up to take eight weeks of classes with the Blue Horse Repertory Company. These adult acting classes were at the local college that has a theater program. These classes were held for three hours, once a week. I went in not knowing what to expect at all for what I would be doing. So basically your first class is just kind of seeing what's up with the class. You try to do some improvisation to build your confidence. She had us doing all kinds of weird things, different emotions. Towards the end of the class is when we would get into the monologues and the character work and different scene studies if you had multiple people that were working together. So that would consist of individuals going up to the front of the class, working through the lines, trying to make the scene really stand out. I didn't do that for my first class, clearly, because I didn't have anything prepared. But at that first class, she gave us a monologue book that has various famous monologues from theater, from film, from television, and told me to pick one out for the next week that I would work on. I'd read through it, see if I could get some emotion out of it, see what the character was actually thinking while they were speaking or doing something. Like, I guess the cliche is, what's their motivation? Why is this being said? Why is it important that this is being said? How it's being said? Who they're saying it to? So then over the course of the next seven weeks, I went over a piece from The Typist and I was playing the secretary and I had someone else from class work with me as the male co-worker in that scene. 
So it was really an interesting eight week experience and I hadn't been doing any drama classes since high school. So it was really useful for getting back into the mix of thinking about why things are said, why did they write it this way and how can I make this believable? Because you don't want something that's again, a dry read monotone, unless that's what they're actually asking for. You want something that sounds like the person is talking to you directly. I took those classes from August through September of 2015. The eight weeks of classes were $325. So it can get on the expensive side for these acting classes, but I thought it was really useful in starting me out with thinking about character work, how to build characters, how to find what the meaning of the lines are, because a lot of stuff can be inferred in what is written. So you want to kind of read your auditions carefully, see what they're really trying to say with the words that are being used. I'm sure you guys can all find local theater classes in your area as well. You know, go to your local colleges, go to your community theater groups. I'm lucky in that we have a town theater that is right down the street from me. So I'm going to be continuing my acting work this fall as well, working on a play for the town. And I always think that's fun because you're actually out there and working with other people, which is a little bit different than auditioning by yourself at home. One day during our acting classes, my teacher talked about headshots, which Rachel Messer also had talked about in her webinar is that you're going to need a headshot for your website, for your social media accounts, for your LinkedIn webpage. Basically, any professional performing artist is going to need a headshot so someone can quickly see what you look like. It doesn't seem like it's as important for voiceover work because they can't see you, but sometimes when they're casting and they look through a scroll of people, and they want woman 30s to 40s and then they go through a website that has everyone's pictures and they go and they look at the people that look like they're between their 30s and their 40s that could do the work. Well, maybe not as important as film, TV, commercial theater actors, you're still going to need a headshot. And so my teacher at the acting school had mentioned one day in class a person that she does her professional headshots through. And so after class, I talked with her a little bit more about it and chatted and wanted to know who does this work. And she told me about this photographer. Her name is Dorothy She, and she works at She Studios in New York City. She's a professional photographer of 25 years, and she does catalog shoots, headshots. She does commercial fashion shoots, beauty campaigns, CD covers, magazines, tons of stuff. She was awarded as the best headshot photographer from Backstage Magazine four years in a row and the best fashion photographer in 2013. So after researching her, I felt like this was a very, very legit person to do my headshots through. And because she was recommended to me, I got my headshots done for $125. I had to travel there for one day. The photo shoot was an hour session with unlimited photos or unlimited in the sense that as many as she could take in an hour is how many photos I had to choose from. So I probably have close to 200 pictures of my face in various shapes and forms and different looks and looking over here and looking over there and serious, happy, a bunch of stuff to choose from. Part of that price was also 
her retouching one of the photos that I would then go on to use as my headshot. I went there for the day. She shot all the pictures. She sent me a CD with every picture on it. That was mine to keep. And I had to choose the one photo out of all of those that she would end up retouching and then sending back to me to use professionally. Since I was kind of up in the air about seven or eight of them, I basically just sent her an email back with the seven or eight that I thought were the best ones. And she kind of worked with me to get us down to the one quote unquote best photo that she would retouch for me. So it took about a month between making the appointment to getting my headshot back. So really a quick turnaround when you think about it. Again, $125 for a professional photograph. And technically I have 200 other ones that I could have personally retouched myself if I really wanted to. I thought it was a good value. And I always like recommendations from people that are actually in the industry. So I know I'm getting a good product because if you're like me, you can probably go on the internet and find a million photographers that are all saying they're the best. But when you come recommended by a professional actor for your headshots, I think that's something to really listen to. So as I am winding this down, a lot of information, a lot of stuff to start out with and it can get kind of pricey. So I'll just touch on some points again. There's always gonna be great books that you can read at the library for free. So if you're just starting out and you don't know if you want to take the next step, just go to the library and get some books and read them and see if it's something that really truly interests you. Because as you could tell by the end of the podcast, this can get very expensive very quickly. And if it's not something that you really, really want to do, you can spend a lot of money and then have equipment sitting in your basement collecting dust. And I don't want anyone to have to do that. I like to be frugal with my money and spend it on things that I think really matter. Hopefully some of these suggestions helped you guys out as well, or at least got you in the direction of what you think is gonna be important to get as an initial setup for your voiceover work. As I said before, microphones, headphones, computers, these can all run the gamut from very cheap to ridiculously expensive. So really research some of these things before you buy them. Don't just take my word for it. I like what I use, but maybe you guys have other preferences. So definitely put your research in before you buy anything. And with that, I think we're going to sign off for now with Valerie voiceover. Next time, we're going to get into the nitty gritty about demos and everything involved with contacting a studio, talking with them about what you want to have on your demo, getting your pieces together, getting your coach in place, actually doing the work to get your demo into its final MP3 form. Thank you guys so much. This is Valerie voiceover. Have a good one.